This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 271. So today is Sunday, August 21st, 2022, and I am talking in this episode about the news and rumor stories that caught my eye for this past week. First up, astronaut captures magnificent aurora storm from aboard the ISS. NASA NASA astronaut Bob Hines photographed the aurora from the International Space Station, capturing a spectacular image of the magical lights dancing on the Earth's surface. An excited Hines posted a tweet yesterday and made special mention to the specific atmospheric conditions that allowed him to capture such wondrous photos. Quote, absolutely spectacular aurora today, he writes, thankful for the recent solar activity resulting in these wonderful sights. In one of the photos, there are light streaks that appear against the darkness of space, which Hines explained to one of his Twitter followers are actually reflections from the station's solar arrays. Geomagnetic storm created by eruptions from the sun is producing colorful northern lights and is expected to dazzle this week, even reaching the northern tier of the U.S. The light has been generated after the sun hurled enough charged particles towards our planet to produce a moderate or G2-class storm, according to space weather. This is known as a coronal mass ejection, and because the particles have an electrical charge, Earth's magnetic field attracts them. Recently, the sun has unleashed many solar flares with intense bursts of radiation arising from the explosive release of magnetic energy. These outbursts can cause issues to spacecraft and communications. The current solar cycle is an active one, despite causing pretty scenes such as bright auroras, wild space weather is expected that has the potential to disrupt electrical systems on Earth. Heinz got to enjoy the aurora lights from aboard the ISS some 200 miles above the surface of the Earth. His fellow astronaut, Samantha Christopheretti, who belongs to the European Space Agency, or ESA, also captured an amazing upside-down photo from aboard the Coppola and ISS module with the Aurora in situ. I have no idea what the heck situ is. (laughs) But definitely got some amazing images from space of the Aurora Borealis. And I've always wanted to photograph that myself, but I don't know if I'll ever get a chance to travel to a part of the world or the United States where it's easy to see and document that with a camera. I know there are parts of Alaska where you can go and see the Aurora Borealis, and Alaska is one of the two remaining states that I haven't been to yet, the other one being Hawaii. So maybe I'll get up there someday, but we'll have to wait and see. Why this surf photographer ditched digital and went back to film. For nearly 13 years, photographer Jordan Godley captured his surf photography with a DSLR. But in 2020, that changed, and he ditched digital in order to go back to film. Godley says that his first experiences with surf photography were back when he was a teenager experimenting with disposable underwater cameras. 
Quote, my friend Doug and I would take turns in photographing each other surfing. Then in the dark room, we would hurriedly drive the three hours back to get to the chemist in time to get these pictures developed in one hour, he tells Petapixel. I'm sorry, in the afternoon, I meant to say. Often they wouldn't get there in time and would have to wait a week to get their images back. Quote, our, photog- our, our photographs were so bad, he says, water droplets all over the lens, crooked and horrible framing, but we didn't care. We were still stoked, and better yet, we spent zero time behind the computer to try to make the pictures better. Fast forward 20 years, and Godley says he has been shooting with the DSLR in the water for over a decade when he realized it was starting to feel wrong. Quote, all of a sudden, I had the urge to go back to shooting 35-millimeter film. I felt like digital photography sapped my photography soul, my patience, and turned my brain into a dead zombie, a photography sloth, if you will. So looking to return to the feeling he had when he was a teenager, in 2020, he made the shift. The first step was picking up an underwater film camera, which for Godly was a Nikonos 3. Quote, I was walking through my local secondhand vintage shop when I came across the Nikos 3. At that point, I had zero experience with the Nikos series. I just knew it was waterproof. I didn't even know how to pull the camera apart to check and see if the O-rings were in good condition, he says. The Nikos 3 is a fully manual in every sense of the word, which forced me to think more. I now can better assess distances and constantly have a general idea on exposure metering. He decided to take it into the water and decide if shooting film was something he wanted to pursue or if it would just be a passing fad, an itch that could could be easily scratched. Quote, from the first time I took the Nikos out, my photography senses were heightened. My sloth zombie brain was ticking over and I was immersed in the process, he says. I was present again and loving it. I was focused on anticipating the moment much better. Shooting film makes me have a clear vision of what I want to achieve from a session, shooting in the ocean. I know I only have 36 frames to work with, which forces me to be patient and more thoughtful when I take an image. He says the process of capturing the images excites him in a way that just isn't replicated with digital. More than that, he says the challenge of his work in photography has been removed since cameras can now all focus so quickly with such accuracy that it's hard not getting a great image. I do feel as if digital photography provided such a great fast-track learning experience. It sped up my development as a photographer and learning how to use the tool, he says. But I do feel it is time now to use what I have learned, slow down, and enjoy the process of taking pictures again. And film photography does this for me. Godley says that when he is forced to slow down and use what he calls his photography muscles instead of trigger finger, while also thinking that each image costs him money, it forces him to think about each time he presses the trigger. He also argues that shooting film has resulted in less time in front of the computer, editing, and more time present while shooting. To him, that's more important. Six months after he picked up the Nikos, he'd sold it to purchase an underwater housing for his Nikon F100, a camera he bought a few months before he found the Nikos. For the past year, Godley is shot only on film when he heads out into the surf. Quote, I went through a phase in digital photography when I was obsessed with high ISO performance and the sharpness of an image. But having tack sharp images doesn't make an image good, and I think people forget that. 
Having sharp images only add to make a good image better, he says. Since the switch to film, Godley has managed to place in the prestigious International Photography Awards in 2021 with a jury top five selection. He's been interviewed by Nikon and even had 35 millimeter film sequence of images published in Surfing World magazine. He says while he's not done with digital photography, his happiness and success with film makes it so he doesn't want to ever go fully back. Quote, am I done with digital photography? Definitely not. It does have its purpose, especially as a learning tool and for commercial paid work. But I do feel feel that film photography will be a staple in my surf photography kit bag going forward. For more from Godley, be sure to check out his Instagram, which you can find in this article in the show notes. And this is an interesting story. I, I picked up on this one because of the fact that he had shot with digital cameras for quite a while and then decided to go back film. And he's not the only one that has gone back to shooting film. I have quite a few friends that shoot both digital and film. They like to use their film for a specific genre or style of photography that they like to do. But they do still use their digitals for making a living. So it's definitely intriguing. And my hat's off to him for being brave enough to go back to film. The question is, how long can you stay in film? being fewer and fewer companies are actually making film for film cameras. That's going to be an interesting one to see how that fleshes out over the next five to 10 years. Next up, photographer captures the magical beauty of Greenland's Disco Bay. Last time I visited West Greenland was in 2019. It was a beautiful summer with calm and sunny weather almost every day. Because of COVID-19, I didn't get to visit again until this year, and this year, it was different. My latest trip to the country saw lots of rain, wind, clouds, and fog. Locals were saying it was one of the worst summers they have ever experienced in the region. That didn't make it any less beautiful, though. The variety of colors made it challenging, but definitely interesting. For our photography tours with Iceland Photo Tours, we are sailing in our now quite famous sailboats with red sails while taking photographs of each other in between the giant icebergs. It's a creative process started by my friend Danielle Corden and Lori Belarusi. I don't know how you pronounce that name. (laughs) And as much as I like to sail around these giant icebergs that I often call mountains, with our little red sailboats, I challenge and encourage myself and others to come home with a variety of different shots from the area, not just the red sailboats. In this photo series, my goal is to show you an impression of Disco Bay around Illumisat from this year during the almost four weeks I spent in the area. The huge icebergs, Lewisat, my home base, the little villages around like uh, I don't know how the heck you pronounce these names. The sled dogs, the whales, the little ice details, the different weather conditions, and of course, our red sailboats. Each photo has its own description with a little piece of information. Please enjoy the series. And he does have some absolutely beautiful shots here. I especially love the aerial shot of the whale, a humpback whale that's just drifting along. So in the first image... The caption is purple night sailing all night in the midnight sun period where the sun never goes down below the horizon in July. Colorful skies all night. Sometimes the weather is very calm, which causes beautiful reflections. 
the humpback. I always enjoy seeing the whales in the bay. It took me a while to find their favorite spots this year, but eventually I found that they enjoyed being at certain locations inside of the ice fjord. Depending on the tide and current, they would wait at certain channels and openings in the ice fjord, simply opening their mouths and just letting the current flood all the krill into their mouths. Lazy, but smart. Frozen mountains. This year, we experienced a lot of days with fog and rain. Sometimes that caused extraordinary conditions. When the fog opened for brief moments, the icebergs would rise from the fog. They would look even more like real mountains, like this big pyramid that stayed in the same position for weeks. Perfect view. Image living on the coast of this area with new icebergs constantly passing by your view. The ice fjord constantly moves and spews ice into the ocean. The scenery literally changes every day with ice coming and going with the wind and the tide. A magical sight, especially with the colors of the midnight sun. The spaceship. Icebergs come in different shapes, sizes, and colors. The underwater part looks especially beautiful as it's super blue. This one had the shape of a spaceship with a little uh, pool on top. We positioned our little red sailboats to show the real scale of it. This photo was taken with a drone. In the mist, sometimes we couldn't even go out of the harbor because of thick fog. But when we did, and there would be a nice enough view to see the first icebergs and our sailboat, the atmosphere was magical. Note that it was different to navigate through icebergs and thick fog, so we did not venture far out of the harbor under these conditions. Little Sled Dog. During my time staying in Elizabeth, I started to know all about the sled dogs and their little puppies. At some point in my visits, they started to get comfortable with me, both the pups and the mom, so I could take some nice photos of them. In Illicit, there are more sled dogs than people living there. They are used to getting around in winter, but in summer, they're not doing much except for being a model in my photographs. Rising Mountains. Fog clearing, revealing the ice fjord behind the harbor like mountains towering above the clouds. Blue beauty. In photography, people often love beautiful sunsets and sunrises, but I also love the muted tones and dark skies. They give the icebergs a more blue color that is very pleasing. Also, our red sailboats really pop in this kind of weather condition. Sun halo. I was lucky to witness a bunch of spectacular sun halos this year, something that I had not seen often. While spending a few hours in Okaset, uh, Road Bay, a little village with only about 30 people living there, the sun halo covered the sky. Sun halos are caused by thin, serious clouds around 20,000 feet or higher above us. They are made of tiny ice crystals. Sunlight through the ice crystals causes the light to split or be refracted. When at just the right angle, it causes us to see a halo. Glass Line during my time on the boat in Greenland, I took a lot of detailed images with my 100 to 400 millimeter lens. Interesting lines and little pieces of ice caught my eye like this big wall of ice that had a line going straight through it. Twin Peaks, a huge iceberg that we found in the middle of Disco Bay. I often capture these by drone to show the massive scale of it. Plus, you can see the even bigger underwater part of it. Illicit Layers. This year, I decided to take more photos of Illicit itself, my home base for the weeks in West Greenland. Illicit features interesting architecture with lots of different colors. 
I especially like the layering in this photo with the long iceberg in front and the rows of houses in the background, popping because of the sunlight hitting it through the dark atmosphere. The photo was taken from a boat with a long lens. Chasing ice. I always say there is beauty in the little things. And you really have to spot them because it's easy to get overwhelmed by all the big icebergs around you. In this image, which shows some very small pieces of ice in the sea, I saw some interesting interactions. It looks like a man chasing a woman running away. Unexpected light. On this particular night, it looked like the sky would be covered in clouds. It actually happens a lot this season. But during sunset, through a tiny opening, the sun showed itself, casting a beautiful warm glow over the ice. The great thing about the midnight sun is that the sun will just hover around this area for an hour or two, so you can enjoy that tiny opening in the clouds for a much longer time than you would expect. Sailing next to the wall. Every time you leave the illicit harbor, you would see the giant walls of ice coming down from the glacier next to it. Even though the wall changes throughout the year, it's always there. Sailing next to it is always very impressive. Darkness. During some nights, the clouds would be very dark, but light would come through from the other side, hitting the lonely icebergs in the ocean. Another dimension. Fog would sometimes suddenly roll in, causing extremely low visibility, like sailing in a different dimension. Below the surface. Some smaller pieces of ice would have huge areas below the surface with spectacular structures, especially with darker skies, the parts under the ocean would really pop out. Living next to the fjord. Living right next to the ice fjord in Illisat is amazing with the direct view of the ice. It also comes with downsides, of course. In summer, the views are spectacular, but in winter, you won't see the sun for a few months. Ice tooth. Interesting ice structures photographed with my 100 to 400 millimeter lens. I would always try to spot these details in the giant icebergs. They would often form at a, a tie lower area because of the water affecting it caused by wind and tide. The perfect night. You might be a bit confused when I call sunset night. That's because these sunsets happen around 1.30 a.m. at night in July in Greenland. And that's why they call it Midnight Sun. And yet, you get spectacular light in beautiful skies. They can literally last for hours. This was one of those nights with calm conditions, reflections, and beautiful light. This is one of those perfect nights. Frozen Swan. Icebergs come in all kinds of shapes and sizes. Here we see a small piece of ice in the foreground that looks like a swan with a mountain range in the background. Finding relations between these pieces of ice is challenging, but very rewarding if the shot works out. Note that this was shot from a moving boat in rather dark conditions. Touchdown. A bird touching down on an iceberg with a very satisfying texture to it. I would always enjoy photographing the birds sitting on the interesting icebergs when we left or entered the harbor. Waiting for lunch. Spending some time in Oak. Okasat uh, Road Bay, which is about two hours sailing away from Illisat, I met many sled dogs. This one was waiting for his afternoon food. In general, the sled dogs are pretty chill. They are chained and can't move far and are mostly relaxing during the day. In winter, they're used as sled dogs. The mountain. This iceberg looks like a mountain towering high. 
By putting the red sailboat next to it, which is close to 30 meters high, the photograph shows the real scale of this scene. Dark reflections. Sometimes the skies would get very dark. Combined with a super early blue hour, it doesn't get darker than that in summer. This would cause a unique atmosphere in Disco Bay. The icebergs would appear very bright against the dark sky, and with calm water, they reflect in the calm water, making the photos very pleasing. Golden Touch The sun coming through an opening in the clouds at the last minute, giving us a golden touch to the landscape. For this shot, we positioned our boat in front of a little piece of ice functioning as a foreground. This maneuver is very difficult to pull off for our captains as the boat needs to be quite still and can't hit the ice. When a shot like this works out, everything aligns, the other red boats also need to be in perfect position. It's super rewarding. It requires very good communication and a good crew. Living in isolation. You can find this house in Okasa Road Bay where only about 30 people live. On top of that, you can only reach it by boat. I visited occasionally to eat at their supper since H, uh, their super nice H8 restaurant and walk around photographing the place. It's really special walking around there and incredible that such places still exist. Spiral, an interesting detail on an iceberg. It was probably caused because this iceberg initially had a different position on the water and slightly flipped. The sharp edge caused by the previous line and angle of the water. Color spectrum. Houses in Illicit and in Greenland in general have lots of different colors. It makes for some interesting options in regards to composition for photographers. Purple peaks. When the subtle twilight light hits the icebergs, they look so soothing. Here it looks like you're seeing frozen mountain peaks hit by the last night. The tunnel. This huge piece of ice had a tunnel through it with a curve. You can see the light hitting through it. By positioning our boat next to it, you can see the real scale of this scene. Golden waves. Intense sunset light reflecting on calm ripples in the sea. I could shoot these little scenes for hours and try to capture very abstract photos of little sea waves. Very addicting. Midnight sun, 3 a.m. at night and still seeing the magical colors of the midnight sun, they can last for many hours when the clouds align. Even when the weather is quite flat, the atmosphere around the ice fjord is always very interesting. The atmosphere can turn quite monotone, but that doesn't make it any less beautiful. The walls around the ice fjord can be quite impressive. The boat with red sails is about 30 meters high. These walls can be much higher than that. And you can see the scale comparison is just insane. Sled dog family, a mother with her three little cubs. I found this family in Illicit and visited them almost every day for two weeks. They got quite comfortable with me and the mother did not mind at all. The, the middle one was especially cheeky and always came to greet me. I felt like I really bonded with them and took, some, uh, took quite some photos of this family throughout the week. Towers. It was often very foggy around the ice fjord, which caused some very interesting atmospheric conditions. At this moment, the sun tried to peek through, revealing the silhouette of some of the towers in the background. These towers really looked like mountains, but were just big chunks of ice. Whale family. I always enjoy seeing the humpback whales having a good time in the ice fjord. Here you can see a little baby swimming with the pack. 
They were swimming back and forth around a small part of the fjord here eating krill. Deep blue. Shortly after the midnight sun season, the skies turned deep blue in the night. It still does not get completely dark, but it's like an endless blue hour. This causes everything to turn deep blue with a great soft light on all the ice. Sailing the tunnel. Even though this big iceberg has a tunnel, it was not really possible to sail through it. And even if it was, there's way, uh, that's way too dangerous. Icebergs can collapse or flip at any moment, and it's important to always stay at a safe distance. We've seen many big pieces collapse or fall down. These pieces can also create giant waves, which is another danger to be aware of. Winter Tuscany. This is a close-up of the top of an iceberg that looks like it had tracks of a vehicle on it. It really reminded me of the Tuscany landscape with grassy hills and tracks in them. The Lookout. A person standing on the edge of the cliff look out over the spectacular ice fjord right next to Illicit. Yes, you can actually just walk there, and the views are spectacular just from the land. Even though we sailed most of the time, you can see the beauty right there from the edge of the village. It is spectacular. Ridges. This iceberg had a super interesting texture on it, which we used as a foreground to play around with during sailing with our red sailboats. Fun little detail. Closely check the top of the mast. One of our crew can be seen sitting close to the top. Winter is coming. With the reference to Game of Thrones, some of these scenarios around the ice fjord really look like they come straight out of fantasy films. And even though they are not real mountains, but just giant icebergs, they do look like mountains. All the photos in this series were taken and selected over a period of almost four weeks. I hope you enjoyed this series of photos and felt like you came along with my journey through Greenland. So these are definitely some absolutely gorgeous photographs. I'd love to see interesting photographs from different places around the world. And as you know, I've talked about it on this show in the recent past. My friend Ellie was in Greenland last summer to do a reality TV series for the Weather Channel called Frozen Gold. So it's definitely interesting to see some of the beautiful landscape photographs that you can get in such an interesting country. Definitely someplace I would not mind visiting someday with my cameras. All right, I'm going to take a break right here, and then I'll be right back. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the Liam Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. If you want to leave comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can call or text the show at area code 470-294-8191. And you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. You can find the show notes and links at liamphotographypodcast.com. And you can tweet the show at liamphotoatl using the hashtag liamphotopodcast. And now, back to the show. And we're back. Next up, landscape photographer captures the mystic allure of the Zanskar Valley. Tucked deep inside the Himalayas resides the transcendent and picturesque Zanskar Valley. Photographer Venki Ramancher, <laughs> I have no idea how you pronounce his name, captured portions of this epic landscape on a recent journey where witnesses 
witness firsthand its enticing vistas. Accompanied by a group of close friends in his Nikon Z7 II, the self-taught photographer began an eight-day journey to explore and try to capture the intriguing and unpredictable atmosphere in the area. And there are some very beautiful images in this article in the show notes. Quote, I only saw two sunsets and zero sunrises, so we had to get mentally prepared to seek alternative ways to capture the scene, he tells Petapixel. As he described, the weather was dark and moody and presented lots of opportunities to capture a dramatic tone. Quote, once I saw these places, the first thing that came to mind was, is a picture worth a thousand words, he says. For him, the answers to that question was an emphatic yes, as the truthfulness of this idiom and the mystique of the valley suddenly unfolded before his eyes. From drastically changing tones, skies, and colors by the hour to the vast plunging ranges with diminishing hues. He couldn't help but be engulfed in awe. Quote, we are nothing in front of Mother Nature, and it shows how insignificant we are. My landscape photography is my personal interpretation of that, he says. Journeying in the Himalayas is the average walk in the park, and he knew focus, preparation, and patience were key to obtaining his shots. Any trekking or travel to the Himalayas involves some element of risk and adventure. And with an altitude of around 14,000 feet, you need to be prepared. Mountain terrains are always tough to shoot. It's best to take things in slowly and get acclimated to the area. Don't jump around and run in excitement. Battery drainage was frequent in the cold temperatures of the ranges, and he addressed this by bringing along multiple spares. This kind of topography can take a physical toll on aspiring landscape photographers, and he likes to express reminders of maintaining fortitude and composure during attempts. Quote, if you fall sick, take a rest and drink lots of fluids rather than trying to be a hero. Don't take unwanted risks just to capture a scene, as life is also very important, he explains. I believe that patience is key in almost every aspect of landscape photography. The result of his disciplined approach to the genre are snapshots of mythical-looking landscapes and long exposure images of rivers and icy waterways. For the past few years, his camera of choice was a D750, but it was recently swapped for his now Nikon Z2, which was a hard decision, one he does not regret. Quote, as the future belongs to mirrorless, I am impressed by the camera's dynamic range and the image quality it produced. I love the focus stacking feature and the super accurate autofocus system it provides. As he looks towards the future, he has been preoccupied with compiling his photography album named Road Less Traveled, India, and contemplating his next adventure. Quote, I haven't made up my mind on the next destination, but uh, the Archanal Pradesh is one place in India which I would like to get to next, he says. For me, exploring and adventure never end. For more of his photographs, be sure to visit his website. And it is definitely awesome. I would love to someday travel to the Himalayas. I know it's an extremely daunting area of the world to try to travel through and especially do landscape photography, but it's definitely a beautiful place that I wouldn't mind capturing myself at some point down the road. The Canon RF 300mm f2.8L ISUSM appears to be getting close. 
One of the most requested super telephoto lenses for the RF system is the Canon RF 300mm f2.8L ISUSM. The Canon EF 300mm has been discontinued for quite some time. We've been told the Canon has prototypes out in the wild and that the lens is a ground-up redesign of the focal length. The source claims that weight has been reduced by almost 40% and the length by as much as 30% over its EF predecessor, though they didn't have the exact dimensions and weight to give us. Weight savings and lenses is something Canon has been pouring a ton of R&D into, and this revelation shouldn't shock us. We can reportedly expect to see the RF 300mm sometime in the first half of 2023. Keep a close eye on the sidelines of the 2022 World Cup in Qatar in November. So it is good to see that Canon might be close to releasing this lens. As the article mentioned, the EF model has been discontinued for some time. And I know there's a lot of Canon shooters out there that have gone to mirrorless that are really hoping that Canon releases an RF edition of this particular focal length and aperture. So we'll have to wait and see if it actually comes becomes reality. Patent internal cooling liquid cooling of camera body. Keith over at Northlight Images uncovered a pretty cool patent pertaining to cooling of camera bodies. A lot has been discussed about this topic over the last couple of years. This patent shows Canon using magnets to pump the liquid through the cooling tubes, which I would think would make this type of active cooling silent, unlike internal cooling fans. This would also do a much better job of bringing the internal temperatures down than simply using heat sinks. Cooling of camera bodies is going to be an area of a lot of resources are going to be poured into, we think, especially with consumer 8K high resolution and high speed cameras becoming more common. And they're only going to get faster and more capable in the future. Now, this is definitely an interesting concept, and I think it is the right approach to try to keep camera temperatures down internally to go with a type of liquid cooling system versus just standard cooling fans, which, as the article mentions, can be extremely noisy, which is problematic, especially if you want to shoot video with the camera. Next up from Nikon Rumors, the new Astrahori 85mm f2.8 TSE macro tilt full frame lens for Nikon Z mount is now available. Astrahori is a new Chinese lens manufacturer and their products are already available for sale on Amazon. The new Astrahori 85mm 2.8 TSE macro tilt full frame lens for the Nikon Z mount is now also listed on Amazon. You can find it on Amazon US, Amazon DE, Amazon UK, Italy, France, and Spain. Technical specifications, sample photos, and additional information for the lens can be found in an accompanying article within this article in the show notes. It is definitely an interesting looking lens design. And I'm sure it's one that's going to be popular with some Z shooting photographers for specific applications, especially for architectural photography. But it could probably have some other applications as well. Available again, Nikon Z9 listed at Amazon with a shipping date of September 1st. And this is for shipped and sold by Amazon. It seems that Amazon is releasing small batches of the Z9 on a regular basis. Keep checking the Z9 listing on Amazon, which you can find that link in this article in the show notes. B&H Photo is currently shipping Nikon Z9 pre-orders placed in February of 2022. 
Adorama expects the Z9 to be in stock on January 3rd of 2023. So definitely some delays there in getting the Z9, as I mentioned before numerous times, and most people are aware of already, with the supply chain issues, it just makes getting these cameras into the hands of customers a lot trickier and more time consuming. Voigtlander Macro APO Ultron 35mm F2 available now. The Cosina Voigtlander Macro APO Ultron 35mm F2 starts to be available at some stores, such as CameraQuest. The Voigtlander Macro APO Ultron 35mm F2 is available at B&H Photo, Amazon US, Adorama, and CameraQuest. The Voigtlander Knockdown 23mm F1.2 X mount is available at B&H Photo, Amazon US, and Adorama. And the Voigtlander Knockdown 35mm F1.2 for the X mount is available at the same three retailers. So Voigtlander has been coming out with quite a few new lenses in the recent uh, it recently. Um, during the course of the last couple of years. And it looks like they're not planning on slowing down anytime soon. Rumor, Fujinon GF20-35 F4 announcement on September 8th. The Fujifilm X Summit on September 8th at 2 p.m. New York time will have one huge protagonist, the Fujifilm X-H2. But it won't be an X-H2 event only, nor an exclusive X-Series event. Note, also, the Fujifilm GFX shooters will have something to look forward to. In fact, according to our trusted sources, Fujifilm will announce the Fujidon GF 20-35mm F4 on September 8th as well. As an owner of the incredible Fujinon GF 32-64 F4, this is Patrick from Fuji Rumors, myself, having a zoom that starts more or less where my current lens ends and goes all the way down to 20 millimeters. 15.8 millimeter full frame equivalent, making it the widest GF lens available is something that is really tempting to add to my G mount lens arsenal. Because even if I currently can't go beyond 64 millimeters of my GF 32 to 64, thanks to the 100 megapixel sensor on my Fujifilm GFX 100S, I can crop the heck out of my files and get closer while retaining sharp, crisp images but I can't capture things that are outside what my lens can see. So a wider option would definitely come in handy for my landscape photography. You see, my gas is already triggered. <laughs> and it's definitely an interesting lens. I'm still hoping to, at some point, get the 35 to 70 F4. Uh, I haven't had the opportunity to pick one of those up yet, but at some point I would like to. And if I could get the GF 20 to 35 to go with it, then I would have a nice coverage of 20 to 70 i think 70 meters millimeters that would be nice in the gf mount like i said i don't have my first gf zoom lens yet so it would be nice to finally get one or two of those next up sony back to school savings the new back to school sony savings are up and running at bnh photo and adorama there are also up to $150 rebates on Sigma Gear at B&H Photo, Adorama, and Amazon, and $210 off on the Samyang 35mm f2.8 Pancake FE lens sold by B&H Photo. So definitely check out those deals if you're looking to save a little money and pick up any of this gear for your Sony. 
And last for today's episode, Sony relaunches the Kando event on August 29th. Will there be a product announcement too? Till the Cordona, uh, I think I was supposed to say Corona outbreak, Sony regularly organized Kando events in late August, and they always were combined with new product announcements. I don't know if this will still be the case this time. We heard from some first-time sources that there might be an announcement on September 5th. See leaked image of new teleconverters. All I know with good confidence is that, is that this is what we should get soon. A new A7R5 on the market in October. New ZVE mount camera. Or, yeah, camera. A new E-mount camcorder. And there are also a couple of new lenses coming in late 2022. But we'll have to wait and see exactly what they end up being. Remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group, and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you're in the group, you are free to post your own original work. I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. All right, that's going to wrap up episode 271 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcast. Also wanted to remind you to stop by the Liam Photography YouTube channel, subscribe to the channel, watch the videos, like them, comment on them, share them out on social media. And don't forget to hit the little bell icon so you can be notified when new videos are released. And don't forget about the current contest where the show is giving away a GoGroove camera backpack. So you can find that link in this episode in the show notes, as well as the past couple of episodes before this one, and enter for your chance to win. All right, that's going to wrap this one up, and I will see you all again on Thursday. 